You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Sleep. 
right, ladies, thank you for that song. There's a good truth in that, amen? The I, it is I, and he is the I of the storm. Praise the Lord. Let's get our Bibles open back up tonight, if you will. Let's go back into the book of Joshua. I broke away from that last Sunday. We just, I got away from my series because um, attendance was so low and I uh, wanted to really, we want to do the uh, series that we're in. I want to do it when most of our folks are here. Although it wasn't too bad last Sunday, really, for what uh, we were facing with the snow and so forth. But uh, anyway, we're in Joshua chapter 1. All right? <clears throat> I want us to pick up, uh, we're going to be in verse 10, it's going to be 10 to 18 is where our text will be tonight. I want to remind you in the first nine verses that uh, God has given Joshua some very clear commands that he wants him to pick up where Moses had left off. He also told him, I I want you now, uh, Joshua, I want you to be strong, I want you to be of good courage. Um, I don't want you to be dismayed, and I, I want you to feast on the Word of God. You read verse 8. It's pretty clear what God was giving him so that he could um, be strong and of a good courage. Um, that was because he would delve into the Word of God and so forth. And after God has given him some clear commands as to what his job is to do, then we find ourselves in um, verses 10 through the end of the chapter, and if you can follow with me again with Joshua, the new commander, the new leader of the nation of Israel. Verse 10 says, then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, pass through the host and command the people, saying, prepare you vittles, for within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan, to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. So he sets out right away to uh, try to get Israel prepared and ready to go on across the river and get into the promised land. But notice as we get into verse 12, you might be reminded of an earlier story from this as we uh, get into the command that's given here. He says in verse 12, notice, begins talking specifically to a couple, two and a half tribes. Now, he says, and to the Reubenites, And to the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua, saying, do you remember who those two and a half tribes were? And do you remember what those two and a half tribes were granted? A very specific request they requested, and uh, and Moses granted it to them. And if you can remember, your mind will be stirred a little bit here as we work our way on down. Look in verse 13. He tells them, remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying... The Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. Now, where are they at this time? They've not gone on a cross yet. They're still in that land on the eastern side of the Jordan River. And if you'll remember when they looked at that land, uh, it was full of grass. I mean, that was just uh, flowing fields of grass and they had much cattle. And here is much grass, the Bible says. They said to Moses, uh, why don't you let us stay over here? us two and a half tribes, because we have so much cattle, this would be a very appropriate place for us to stay. And if you remember under condition, Moses said, okay, I'm going to allow you to do that. So look in verse 14. 
Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side, Jordan. But ye shall pass before your brethren armed, all the mighty men of valor, and help them until the Lord have given your brethren rest as he hath given you. And they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then ye shall return unto the land of your possession, go back over the river again, and enjoy it, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side Jordan toward the sun rising. And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us, we will do. And whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words in all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. And then they say it one more time, only be strong and of a good courage. So let's have prayer there. Lord, thank you again for allowing us to be here this evening uh, around the word of God. I pray and ask Lord, once again, as I've been praying all week long, and especially for um, the preaching services, that number one, you'll be honored in what is said and done, and that you'll give me the grace of God and that anointing from heaven to be able to preach your word in a manner that would reach our hearts and souls. So please, may your Holy Spirit control what is said and done here tonight. I pray and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm sure... A dozen times I've told you about me heading off to Bible college, and I'm going to spare you all those details, uh, except to tell you that as I went to Bible college, I was probably, now nah, I'll take the word probably out. I was not in the, in the spiritual condition I should have been. My heart was not with the Lord like it should have been. I was a half-hearted Christian. I was a Sunday-Wednesday Christian. I was a real good Sunday-Wednesday Christian, but... Uh, the other days were, uh, were difficult in my walk with the Lord. So I had told the Lord, <laughs> I said to God, God, I will give you one year of Bible college, letting God know where my parameters were. That just, I tremble as I say that now. But I, I've also told you about a man named George Malice who walked out of his dorm room. He was, uh, he was the dorm parent, and him and his wife lived in the boys dorm in a special um started to say a chamber a special uh couple of rooms they'd knock the walls out and given them a real special uh quarters to live in it was really fairly nice actually and and so they were the dorm parents and he he would give uh, that opening night's devotion and when he gave that uh devotion little george malice was just this little thin wiry guy and his hair really wasn't I didn't think it was kept very well, and he stepped out, his nose was a little bigger, and, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is our dorm parent. And um, he introduced himself and told us who he was and what um, he would expect of us and gave us some guidelines and instructions, and then he said, guys, I've told you to bring your Bibles tonight, and he said, open your Bibles, I want to share with you a passage of scripture, and and I've told you the verse that he's used. Many times I've told you that, that uh, my son, give me thine heart. And that man, when he opened his mouth with the word of God, 
God began to speak through that man in a very powerful way. That man had spent some time that summer, I'm confident, praying for the young men that would be coming into the dorm um, that next fall, praying that God would open their hearts and make them tender, and praying that the devil would not be found in that place and that Satan would be shoved out and God would move in. I'm sure of that. Because when that man began to speak and talk about giving your heart to the Lord, God gripped my heart so firmly and spoke to me very deeply. And I was so broken that night in a little 20-minute devotion that a little wiry George Malice uh, devotion that he gave. Um, And I remember that night as he said, fellas, let's bow our heads. And I don't know who prayed after that. I don't know if he closed in prayer. But I can tell you this. My heart was so moved. And I committed to the Lord that night. I said, God, whatever it is you want. I I felt so broken that I had given God my parameters. And this is how far I'm willing to go in life. And I'm going to cut it off here. And then I'm going to go back and do my thing. And, uh, and I'll still go to church on Sundays and Wednesdays, God. You've got me then. I didn't say those words, but that's what I was saying. And I was so deeply moved that night that, I mean, I literally, that's the night I gave my life to the Lord in full-time service, truly and genuinely for the first time. And, and um, I did not know what God would have me do. I felt fairly confident it would not be uh, pastoring. I really felt strongly that way. Um, <clears throat> And so the day I graduated, I walked across the platform and took my diploma and stepped down the steps not knowing what I was stepping into. I literally did not know what my ministry would be, where God would have me, and it was a month or two before God actually opened the doors to come to a place up in, oh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and uh, came up here and checked it out. And there's not too many of you that are here tonight that were there then, but uh, John and Regina George, I don't know if you and Ruby were there. Uh, Pam, were you there? Oh, my goodness. And, uh, and, and so, oh, Joe, Josephine. Yeah, Josephine. And it's good to see you back, uh, Josephine. Uh, and anybody else that happened to be here uh, came up here and, and um, became the, a Christian school teacher and assistant pastor. And I just have to tell you that um, um, by the time five years had rolled around, God had prepared my heart for the pastorate. And um, when I made that commitment to the Lord, it was real. Something was real inside of here that God really stirred me up. And I knew when I made that commitment that I, I knew that it was going to be the real thing. I, I, re, I, I told some of my buddies and my friends, I said, uh, they talked about, have you ever told a girl that you loved them? And they asked me that question. I said, no, I have not. I said, because the day I do, it's going to be the one I'm going to marry. Because I'm not going to tell some girl I love her, and I'm not going to marry her. That's what that means when I say that. I just, I saw something in my um, mom and dad that was so committed to when they said something, it was real. There was just, it just wasn't something that my dad would say and then blow it off. That was was not a part of my dad. It was not a part of my mom. If I had committed to something, they made sure I lived up to that. And um, it took me a while to get there to, be, to have that level of commitment. But once I did, when I commit to something, I, I really genuinely try to mean that. And if I, especially if I commit to something for God's sake, 
And I think this needs to be true of every person here tonight. When I make a commitment, when we make commitments before God, I just want to challenge us here tonight. Would you learn how to keep your commitments? Learn that there's something to that. Uh, There's a whole lot behind it. And there's a whole lot in front of it. You have one life to live, and it's going very quickly. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. But learn to make some commitments to God and keep them. Stand up to what the Lord has heard you say. It's a worthy reason to make commitments. Now, I'm looking here tonight, you say, where in the world are you getting this? Well, this, uh, the title of the message tonight is Keeping Our Commitments. I would challenge you to make some commitments if you haven't made some worthy commitments tonight. Boy, to the young people here tonight that have your whole life out in front of you, man, don't wait till you're almost 20 years old like I was when I went to Bible college and then decide, you know, I'll, I'll make some commitments to God. Hey, young people, please listen to me. Boys and girls, make commitments to God tonight. Before the Lord, make commitments to God and and uh, ask God to give you what it takes to live up to those commitments and uh, realize there's some things out in front of you that are very, very important and learn to live a life of commitment. So in our text here tonight, I want to show you, um, first of all, how Joshua begins by reminding them of the details of their commitment they had made previously back over in the book of Numbers chapter 32. You don't need to turn there. But that whole chapter is filled with the details of what they had told Moses they would do. And, and now remember again, they had said, you know, Moses, we were here on this side of the Jordan River. We've not crossed on over to the promised land yet. But Moses, look at all the cattle we have. And there's much cattle here. And also there's much grass here. We can't think of a better place to be able to, to uh, raise our family and to feed our cattle. Would you allow us to be able to have our inheritance on this side of the Jordan River? And they said, here's, here's a promise we're going to make you that if, uh, if you'll let us have this land on this side, here's our promise and here's our commitment. When you guys go across over on the other side to fight all the enemies that are on the other side, we promise you, we make this commitment to you and God that all of our soldier men will go on across the river and uh, while all the other men and the other tribes that are here uh, line up for the battlefield, so will every one of the fighting men that are on our side. We're going to cross on over with you. We promise we're making this commitment to you tonight that we're going on across with you. We're going to fight this battle. We're not going to to go back across the Jordan River until the battle is won. And then when you see that it's uh, time is good, the battle has been won, and the task that was at hand has been fulfilled, when you come to us and let us know that we can go back, then and only then are we going to go on back across the Jordan River um, to uh, raise our family on this side and to feed our cattle and so on and so forth. I mean, he, he reminds them of all of those details. I mean, <clears throat> did he really have to go through all that? Why did he take the time? And you can read there in verses 13 and 14 how he reminded them of that. But, but was, there, was there a problem or something that was there something slipping in their mind just a little bit? Was their commitment fading just a little bit that he had to remind them of all of those details? Well, part of the issue with commitments is this, guys. We are so human. And I have to tell you that though I have made 
some uh, lifelong commitments to God, I also know this, that my commitments have run up against some pretty big brick walls that I had to determine I'm either going to turn around and go back or I'm going to find a way to get through this brick wall. I, I, I've reached that place many times and you guys, you all know what I'm talking about here tonight. It's amazing the details we can forget in a very short time also. What was so burning on your heart that night at an altar? Or you sitting at your bedside reading the Word of God and tears dripping down on the pages of the Bible as you committed to God and gave God so many things in your life. It's so easy sometimes months down the road to have forgotten what the Holy Spirit of God had burned in your heart and now you've kind of drifted away from that. You've kind of grown a little bit cold about those things. And Joshua comes along knowing how human everybody is and puts his finger back in their heart and says, God, uh, guys, let me just remind you, um, you know, what it was you told us you were willing to do. <clears throat> we can make commitments with very great sincerity. We can have all the intentions of fulfilling every detail of those commitments. But here's what I know. Time happens. And what was once a burning desire in the heart is now barely a glowing ember. Some of you may very well, I don't know, some of you very well may know what I'm talking about here tonight. What was once that, that burning desire, <clears throat> and I have so committed to this, and I, I'm going to fulfill this throughout my lifetime, or at least up until a time frame that me and God had agreed to, or whatever it might have been. But many times, guys, that, that desire of your heart has just kind of calmed down a little bit. Um, you remember the story of the pastor? I, I love this illustration. It's just the wordless illustration kind of if you were the one sitting there watching this pastor comes and knocks on the door of a man that had not been in church for many months maybe years the man opened the door never said a word invited the pastor in it was cold outside invited the pastor in had him sit over here on the on a chair uh, they were sitting in front of the fireplace pastor looked at him he looked back at the pastor they both glanced back over at the fireplace and they saw that fireplace that was just, you know, a raging fire when he first came in, began to die down a little bit. They said they watched as one of the little sparks fell off and kind of flew out and landed on a, on a certain spot on a brick and how it glowed so brightly for a little while. And the glow just got smaller and smaller and smaller and then just a little waft of smoke went up into the air. And a message was preached to that man sitting there the man looked back at the pastor and the pastor looked at him. The pastor had a tear in his eye because of that was just a perfect example of what that man had been doing. Finally, the man looked at him and said, Pastor, I'll be back in church this Sunday. The wordless illustration, man, I love that. I wonder how many of us here tonight have made a commitment to a holy God. That desire just burned in your heart. You know what I'm talking about. You'd committed, God, I, I'm going to be faithful to the Word of God. I'll be faithful to the God of the Word. I'm going to be faithful at work again like I used to be. My testimony used to glow, and now it's just that just little tiny ember in my heart, and it needs something to fan the flames once again and bring God back out of my life again. Somebody may be sitting here tonight, I don't know, but maybe you need to be reminded like Joshua came uh, to those two and a half tribes and said, now guys, before we head on across... I want to remind you about the commitment that you made. <clears throat> we need constant and consistent reminders about things that we are committed to. 
And if you listen to the voice of God, that Holy Spirit will remind you on a regular basis, I promise you. Next thing he does, he reminds them about the importance of their commitment. I want you to see this in verse 15. Look how important it really was, what was really at stake here. Um, Verse 15 said, until the Lord have given your brethren rest, as he hath given you, and they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then ye shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side Jordan toward the sunrising. So here's what he said to them. You guys have your inheritance. You've had, you have enjoyed it, and you guys know what it's like when you get padded pews, so to speak. Boy, it's nice and soft, isn't it? This feels pretty comfortable. I don't have to face, you know, those hard pews anymore. And, uh, you know, a few extra minutes of the pastor preaching is not as bad as it used to be. Um, and here these guys are in padded pews on this side of the Jordan River, and everything's so nice, and the waters are flowing, and, and they've got uh, all the grass and the cattle, and there's already some things built up for them to actually inhabit at that time, and things are really nice. But on the other side is going to be uh, nine and a half tribes that do not yet, listen to this, that do not yet have what you guys have. And you can grow very comfortable with where you are with your possessions and forget that there are people out there with tremendous need that need somebody else to shoulder up to them and walk alongside of them until they can have their inheritance. You know what you make commitments for? Real commitments that God looks at and values and thinks that that's a worthy commitment, you know what's behind that, or should I say out in front of that, is a group of people in your life that need somebody to make a commitment to God so that we can help them attain what God has given to us. When people become very selfish with their life and they say, I'm pretty happy with where I'm at in life, you know, my family seems to be doing good and we're, we're, we're in church, you know, we're, we're a decent Christian family and you just kind of begin to skate through the Christian life and you're not really committed to serving God. I'm just telling you, there's a group of people out in front of you that are needing someone to make a godly commitment to the Lord. You got some people at work that are needing your commitment. You got some family around you, maybe that maybe they're not as committed as you. Maybe they've not um, received quite the, the growth in the Lord and, and the blessings of God upon them like you have received. And they're needing somebody that'll make a commitment and be willing to reach out and be a, a testimony for God's sake for them. I mean, if these guys don't go on a cross and and fulfill their commitment, um, then all the, all the sacrifice that was made, guys, coming across you know, the, the wilderness and all those uh, many thousands that died in the wilderness because of their great sin and, and all these things that happened were really unnecessary. So typically, commitments aren't made lightheartedly. I know some are. But largely a commitment is made when somebody sees a cause and they respond with a decision to get involved. And I'm not sure about any commitments that you may have made in your Christian life, but if you have, it would do us all good to look back and see what the cause was that drove us to that commitment. What was it that was out in front of you that so burdened your heart? What was it or who was it that you could see that was needing somebody to stand up before a holy God and say, I make a commitment to God 
And God, if you'll use somebody like me, then here's my life. Use me in whatever this might be. Maybe it would do you good to look backwards and see what you did commit to. You want to hold your place here with me and go back to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 for just a minute? Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And if you remember, this is the passage where Paul is trying to encourage the church at Corinth to be able to give in that love offering that they had committed to, you know, a year ago. They had committed to that, and, and now it's time to fulfill that commitment. And he's trying to get them to step up to the plate, so to speak. Would you drop down to verse 8 with me? We're in um, 2 Corinthians 8. And look in verse 8. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, or how others have been so faithful, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Now listen to what he says, and herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, you guys, you Corinthians, who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward. You had that desire a year ago. And listen to what he tells him there in verse 11. Now therefore, perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. You know what he just told him? He said, guys, you made a commitment a year ago. He says, now it's time to put some feet to your commitment. It's time to live up to what you told, you, told God you would do. Now let there be a performance out of that thing. So the third thing they did was they, they confirmed their commitment back to him. Joshua spoke up and now they're talking back to him. And um, they say to him, look down there in verse 16 with me. They answered Joshua saying, all that thou commandest us, we will do. And whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. Finally, they put feet to their words. I mean, just like Paul was challenging this Corinthian church to go ahead and fulfill their commitment, that's exactly what the Israelites did. They stepped up and they said, yes, we're going to do that. I mean, when little David committed to go over and fight the giant, he fulfilled that commitment with his sling. And an entire nation benefited from one little teenage boy's fulfilled commitment. He wasn't just talking words there on the other side when he turned to the guys and said, what, what did that guy just say to us? And, and what is the king's promise? And when he turned around and said, isn't there a cause? He wasn't just spouting off words. He lived up to a commitment. When a young Hebrew princess, you remember Queen Esther, committed to put her life on the line and approached the king and to ask him to spare the lives of the Hebrew nation. She fulfilled her commitment for such a time as this. I will go and I will fast and, and I will go in unto the king and if it costs me my life, then so be it. It's what I'm willing to do. And that little woman, I'm sure with fear in her heart, tippy-toed up to the king and he held out that golden scepter. Praise God for that. And a nation was spared because she had a cause. So if I can say this to us tonight, I'm going to wrap my thoughts up here. Be aware, you're going to be challenged with your commitments. I mentioned a while ago how many times I 
in my desire to serve God, I'd walked into a brick wall and I had to determine, is this where I stop or do I do whatever it takes to get beyond this brick wall? You're going to be faced with those places in life. Daniel had committed to God three times a day and do or die, he was going to pray three times a day and it cost him a trip to the lion's den. You've got the three Hebrew boys committed to worship only one God, I mean the true God, and it cost them a trip into the fiery furnace. If you remember who we'll call a deacon, Stephen, even committed to faithfully preach the gospel, and what happened to him? He was stoned to death, but he fulfilled his commitment. And you can mark it down tonight, if you commit to a cause, I promise you, you're going to be challenged for it. The devil's not going to be happy with you making some kind of a commitment to God. That God, uh, your cause is the only worthy cause. Your, your cause is worth giving my entire life for. And so God, I, I've got people out in front of me. I, I've got a ministry out there that I believe God is calling me to. Or, a, or a, more of a dedicated life as a dad or a mom or a, a, a teenage, whatever it might be, God has me in at this time. And I'm just saying tonight, you're going to be challenged with whatever it is that you decide I'm going to serve God in. Those two and a half tribes could have looked around at all the green grass on this side of the Jordan River. They could have seen how they already had their houses mostly built, how comfortable things were there. I mean, it just feels so good. And they could have thought, you know what? I think we'll just sit over here and veg. This is really comfy. We kind of like this. And I know what we said, you know, months ago, but this is really nice. And I like where I'm at. Please don't say things that would try to get into my heart. I don't need somebody trying to bring conviction to me. I mean, they could have said something like that. And their integrity with God would have shriveled up like a raisin. Not only that, their outlook for the needs of others would dwindle. And without realizing it, they would, they would have made, I hope you'll think about this, they would have made a new commitment that most people will always stick to. They commit to staying right where they are in their spiritual growth. They get cemented in and yawn their way through the rest of Christianity. That's usually the commitment they make at that point. And most Christians live up to that. So God help us to look back to a time where we made a commitment before God. For something. This summer, 40 years ago, I made a commitment to a young lady from New Mexico for better, for worse. That's a commitment before God I plan on keeping the rest of my life. I made a commitment, wherever you put me to serve, I'm going to serve you the rest of my life. God helping me, I'm not going to back out. I've made some commitments in life that God makes me go back and revisit from time to time. I've named a couple of them, and you may be able to name some yourself. But God help us to look back on a time where we committed to it. Are you living up to that? I would just ask. Like like Joshua looked at the two and a half tribes and said, Guys, just want to remind you, remember what you committed to? Yes, we do. And we're 100% on board. We're across the Jordan River. We're in the battle all the way until God gives the victory. And are you in the battle all the way or have you kind of backed off on a commitment to God? Was the cause not a worthy one? 
Was God in heaven not powerful enough to give you grace to be able to make the full commitment? Is there something in this life that so far overshadowed a great and mighty God that you backed out on a commitment to the Lord? Let me say to the teenagers here tonight, to our young people, and I hope you'll listen to me. Please, young people, listen. Serving God with all your heart the rest of your life is the greatest thing you'll ever commit to. Some young man surrendering to God and saying, God, here's my life. Whatever it is you want me to do in this life, I make that commitment to a holy God. And I know there's a world out there that needs to know the gospel. God, in whatever way you want to use me, I, I commit my life to God tonight. It's a worthy cause. And God will give you the grace to be able to fulfill that commitment. I promise you he will. If you'll trust in the strong hand of God to lead in your life. You need to stop and remember what was it that drove that commitment the night I made that commitment to God. Let's remember the details of that commitment, what it was that God spoke to me about. And let's take God by the hand tonight, and let's be a people who know how to keep our commitments. Committed people are the ones who get God's work done in this life. It takes commitment. It really does. And I hope and pray if God somehow, some way, I don't know how the Lord may have spoken to you or dealt with you in some way about anything tonight, but if he's speaking to you about making a commitment to the Lord in full-time service or in some capacity to whatever it might be, let God have his way in your heart tonight. Maybe it'd be worthy of going backwards and looking at uh, commitments I've already made to the Lord and revisiting that and just asking God through his Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts and stir that flame up again and the grace of God be given to fulfill that commitment that we made to him. I'm going to ask if you'll bow your heads with me tonight. Heads bowed and eyes closed.